I can remember talking with a friend of mine some time ago. Now, he had just turned, get this, he had just turned 96 years old. Well, we were musing and meandering about old times, as well as our respective families' annual visits and vacations around the country. It was just a fun conversation. Well, as he asked me about the weather in the Pacific Northwest, uh, the Pacific Northwest, which is where uh, Wendy and I often go in the summer months, I described the green grass, the tall pine trees, the black dirt, the mountain peaks, the moisture of the ocean and the fresh, clean air. And I can remember he looked at me and he smiled, big smile, and he said to me, I know. Aren't things like that invigorating? In other words, isn't an environment like that life-giving? And certainly for me and for Wendy anyway, and especially when I think of what gives me personally life and renewed energy, I said back to him, well, absolutely, indeed, invigorating is right. Well, you know, The previous conversation I just shared with you left me speechless, left me deep in thoughts about the way in which God calls each of us to life. He calls, he empowers, and leads us to seek life, to trust what life has to offer, and to search after invigorating and revitalizing places and environments and circumstances. He calls us and empowers us to place our hopes and dreams in life, and to live life to the fullest each day. So when you think about this for you, what gives you life these days? What is it that brings about life and vitality within you? What is it that invigorates and refreshes you? Think about that for a minute. Maybe think about it as I read a very familiar story to you from the life of Jesus as a man, an unlikely man, makes a conscious choice to seek life, to choose life. I'm reading to you from the Gospel of Matthew. As Jesus came down the mountain, he was followed by large crowds. Suddenly, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus. He said to him, Lord, you have the power to make me well, if only you wanted to. Jesus put his hand on the man and said to him, I want to. Now you are well. At once the man's leprosy disappeared. Jesus told him, now don't tell anyone about this, but go and show the priest that you are well. Then take a gift to the temple, just as Moses commanded, and everyone will know that you have been healed. So ends the reading from Matthew chapter 8, the contemporary English version today. Well, bringing this all more to home and closer to home today, I want to ask you the question, a similar question, but maybe a little bit more specific. What actually has the ability to lift you up, and to carry you past the monotony, fatigue, and drudgery of the pandemic-bound world 
in which we currently live. It's pretty obvious to me that one of the most important lessons taught by Jesus is that you and I are called and we're empowered to choose life, to choose life every day. Jesus is ready and he's willing to bring us all to life, to teach us, to help us learn how to spend our days being hope-filled, choosing life, and spending our time in places that invigorate us. So what would it take for you personally to choose life today? Okay, I'm inviting you now to relax. I want you to sit back a little bit in your chair. And I want you to listen to some things that I've heard from you over the last couple months or so. And these are quotes. We long to gather at the church campus. We can't wait to get back to church. I can't really explain it. But my love these days is tired. Here's another one. You know what? I'm just not interested in much of anything anymore. And here's one that I've heard very recently. Quote, it's becoming almost impossible to think about the future. End quote. Well, I want to repeat to you the kind of the underlying premise of the message today one more time. Consciously choosing life, intentionally choosing life as a way of life without having to think about it as habit, as a habit-forming thing where we just lean into things that refresh us and renew us and invigorate us is becoming increasingly more and more difficult for most of the people that I know these days. And as we've tried to navigate the coronavirus world in which we live, so many are having a really tough time clinging to hope. Many are either being faced with unsurmountable obstacles like families losing loved ones, loved ones who should never have died, to what might be more likely, perhaps in your life, it would be drifting about, just feeling tired, run down, worn out, feeling extremely fatigued by the pandemic. A pandemic which acts kind of like a sumo wrestler, pinning us to the mat on a daily basis, changing the very makeup of the air we attempt to breathe. Well, without sounding too much like a broken record, I'm aware that several weeks ago, right here in this place, we talked about what we are missing. You might remember that sermon. It was called Missing Out. And some of the obvious things that were mentioned to me um, during that time period were uh, casually sitting down together for normal events right on the church campus. You know, like we normally did, like we used to do. Other things mentioned to me were dining out in our favorite restaurant or shopping whenever and wherever we desired. Another thing mentioned to me was, hey, I'm missing working out at the gym. And these are just to name a few things. The point being here that we were once in a place, maybe you were in this place too, where we recognized and we acknowledged that significant things, events, feelings, and especially people and groups, and even organizations like the church 
are for the most part now no longer a part of, a part of our daily lives. Or at most, our involvement in these things just mentioned has been minimized greatly. So what's, what's really changed, you might ask? Well, I think the loss of specific elements in our lives, which is kind of how it all started several months ago, has metastasized like an aggressive cancer into a total, chronic, ongoing sense of emptiness, which seemingly, for a lot of people, cannot be reversed. It's as if we've become like a shell with little or no direction anymore. And I realized this last week when a friend who's normally very, very positive about anything in life said to me, you know what? I'm just not interested in things anymore. And when she said that to me, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Many I know today are having trouble remembering their purpose in life because I think, this is, this is what I think, and I get to tell you because I'm the guy with the microphone. I think it's because many of us have forgotten how to choose life. We've forgotten how to intentionally, intentionally, and you might even say automatically, lean into things that refresh and invigorate. Or, or, I've met people who just plain don't have a desire anymore to reach for things, to reach for events and people that would typically pull them out, pull them up and out of the miry bog in which they find themselves. That, my friends, is what's changed. A number of events that we don't have anymore to an ongoing, chronic, underlying feeling of almost desperation and loss, so much so that we can't even really articulate it or put it on our lips or put our finger on it, you might say. Well, Brother Steve Garnis Holmes, who's the writer of the Unfolding Light Daily Meditations, and by the way, that's at www.unfoldinglight.net, and it will be in writing for you to actually look this up. You can sign up for this daily meditation, and they're free. They come into your inbox every day. He wrote a meditation here uh, a week ago or so entitled Wrestling, and it really reminded me of the ways in which these unnamed, chronic, ongoing things are in a part of our life now just kind of nag away at us. Listen to this. Alone, unwar unwary, unwarned, in shadows, I fail, I flail, I slip, I falter, I fail, I mangle my life, I fall, I can't get a grip at all. Some mystery, some strife-tangled arms and legs have a hold on me. What am I fighting? What battle? This pitch? Is it myself? My demons? My errors at last? Is it outer or inner, this struggle, this foe that I face? I don't know. But I wrestle, panicked, weary, anxious, something gripping me. No, someone. No, you. 
my midnight terror, fierce companion, arm in arm, face to face, chest to chest, I feel your heart beating, beating, I feel you breathing down my neck, breathing, breathing, breathing in me. In today's gospel lesson, another very unlikely person becomes a glittering example of courage, trust, and awesome faith. He's a person who, for every known ancient reason, he should have known his place, which would be at best an outsider, and at worst, his place would have been kind of like an animal, like a non-person. After all, he was sporting probably the most contagious, debilitating disease that you could ever had, leprosy. He should be stunned into complete silence and keep in his and should keep his distance, being convinced that there's absolutely no hope in sight for him. Yet this bold, faith-filled leper shows us how to consciously choose life. Well, as we connect a little closer with this powerful story in Matthew, allow me to share with you over the next few minutes or so, I'm going to be sharing with you some scholarship from William Barclay, Charles Spurgeon, F.F. Bruce, and David Guzik. And I'm going to be kind of weaving it in and out. So I'm just going to start now and keep going here, but just know that a lot of this is scholarship uh, quoted and uh, brought forth by these particular gentlemen. Leprosy might begin with the loss of all sensation in some part of the body. The nerve trunks are affected, the muscles waste away, the tendons contract until the hands become like claws. There follows ulceration of the hands and the feet. Then comes the progressive loss of fingers and toes until in the end a whole hand or a whole foot may just drop off. The duration of that kind of leprosy is anything from 20 to 30 years. It's a kind of terrible, progressive death in which a man dies by inches. Well, according to Jewish law and customs, listen to this, friends. According to Jewish law and customs, one had to keep a minimum of six feet away from a leper. And if the wind was blowing toward a person from a leper, that person had to keep 150 feet away. The only thing more defiling than contact with a leper was direct contact with a dead body. For several reasons, most of which are mentioned right here in this text today, the condition of leprosy is a model of sin and its consequences. It is contagious it's a debilitating disease that corrupts its victim and makes him or her essentially dead, dead while still alive. And it followed that almost universally, society and religious people scorned lepers. Rabbis especially despised lepers and saw them as people under the special judgment of God deserving no pity. Hmm. Hmm. Essentially dead while yet alive. Contagious and debilitating, leading to a loss of sensation. 
with no hope of improvement. A progressive death where one dies by inches. Does any of this sound familiar? Okay, just let this set with you for just a minute. Does anything here remind you of the coronavirus-infested world in which you and I now live? A rather odd, a rather diseased, an abnormal world that has stopped daily life for most of us as we once knew it? Finally, if you resonate with any piece of what's been said here today, I invite you to take a much closer look at this leper and how he handled his impossible situation. Number one, he looked directly to Jesus, the Lord of life. He looked directly at him. The courageous leper came to Jesus by himself despite many of the things that he was fighting. He knew his terrible problem. He knew that people had given up on him. Other people had left him in a hopeless condition. He had no promise at that point that Jesus would even listen to him Get near him, let alone heal him. He had no invitation from Jesus, and he certainly had no invitation from the disciples. He would have been ashamed and alone in that crowd, and no doubt would have kept quiet and kept his distance and just kept quiet, and maybe even wondered how much longer he had to be alive on this earth. But although all of this was stacked firmly against him, none of these things stopped him from going to Jesus the author of life, the author of new possibilities. What else did the leper do? I'll tell you what he did. He worshiped Jesus. Despite his desperate, hopeless condition, this man not only went to Jesus and begged him to be healed, but he worshiped him. He worshiped Jesus by coming to him and honoring him as the one who could meet his otherwise impossible need. He worshiped Jesus with his posture. He probably bowed down to kneel, and he probably knelt at Jesus' feet. He worshiped Jesus by calling him Lord, honoring him as Master and God. He worshiped Jesus with his humility, not demanding, but leaving the request up to the will of Jesus to do the healing, and he worshiped Jesus with his confidence that Jesus could make him more than healthy. Jesus could make him clean. Jesus could make him whole again. Jesus could bring about such powerful change in this man's life that he would turn from struggling and scraping through desperate days with no destination in sight to learning once again to live his days with purpose and direction, to once again choose life, to choose love, to once again choose people and places and events that refresh, that renew, and invigorate. So as we look back over our shoulders, I invite you to pause one more time today for just a moment and ask yourself the operative questions here. What is it about this event that draws me in like a magnet motivating me, stirring within me a desire to be a part of this story? And in what way does this story courageously of courageously choosing life catapult me toward things in life that refresh, renew, and invigorate not only me, but all those around me? Accordingly, what has the ability to lift me up and carry me past 
the monotony, the fatigue, and the drudgery of the pandemic-bound world in which I still find myself in my daily life. I share with you a quote from Luke Timothy Johnson. For if there is an actual and present rule of God in the world, then it must be found, not in the conquest of visible or invisible enemies, but in the triumph of love and life. However halting and partial it may be, triumph over sin and death. And this is the work of the Spirit, and it is the calling of the church. In triumph of love and life over sin and death, isn't that what Jesus was all about? My friends, make note again that as we click on these teaching episodes and bring them into our living rooms, the lessons taught and the lives changed will will make the heavenly truths both taught and lived by Jesus tangible and touchable because that's exactly what Jesus was, wasn't he? He was touchable and he was tangible in every way to the people around him. Yeah, Jesus, the regular guy who'd grown up in Nazareth of Galilee, as he was referred to by teacher and Lord and rabbi and master, which seemingly tried to put him above his students and his followers, yet Jesus walked the dusty roads and he lived among the sick. He lived among the diseased and the downtrodden. He ate and cried with thousands, and on many occasions he pulled up a stool. He sat on a hill, he waded in the water, and he got into a dirty, smelly boat, and he taught them how their lives could be changed forever. Indeed, Jesus never stopped at just teaching lessons, did he? Jesus did really radical things like touch lepers, like share God's gifts with them, like make them whole again. And just as important, Jesus taught them, as he still teaches you and me today, how to choose life. Not only how to choose life, but how to do it as a way of life every day automatically. O gracious and loving and life-giving God, in the name of Jesus, the author of all life, open our hearts right now, today, tomorrow, and even the next day. Guide us to consider what we've learned from this story of choosing life today. Open our hearts to experience complete conversion. Mold us, remake us, yes, move us, from monotonous days of desperation with no hope in sight to living out our days with purpose and direction, holding our chins high, being bold like the leper, going directly to you first and worshiping you and coming away renewed, refreshed, and reminded, reminded of your promises that never fail. Amen.